Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Bucks is spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, Sandoz and the sidekick. Another edition here and another week as we preview and talk about recaps all week long as the Southern Conference regular season winds down for tissue men's and women's basketball. Uh, certainly there are other sports, and we may spend a little bit of time on Wednesday just catching you up to date on everything that's going on in ETSU athletics. Other than basketball, it's our main focus right now. Certainly it was a big – Senior Day send-off for ETSU women's basketball. They had a win for the men's basketball team. A hard-fought, tough Sunday afternoon loss at UNCG 60-59. to We'll go over pros versus Jays and bold predictions. But first, uh, it's fresh on, the, at least my mind, because I had to drive back and discuss it with uh, Kevin Brown and Joe Vinto and uh, Aaron Heat. By the way, let's talk about Aaron Heat just for a half second. There is a guy out there who's willing to pay money for the voice of, of the Bucks experience, can't even say to voice ride. of the Bucks. He's to I'm ride still, with you I'm still up You're in, in arms shock, but yeah. that that for several years now, Aaron has bought that. Really, it's and, the same guy yeah, year oh, after yeah. year. Wow. Oh yeah, he he literally stalks the silent auction thing to make sure as soon as somebody puts a bid down that he he, he goes right over there. Has his dad even watch it for him as last year as well? So he he does it, and so he get he got to ride with us yesterday, um, and so we got to break down some stuff, talk about that. Then he got to sit there, and it was the power outage. So he sits there for the once of oh. experience, and he's sitting courtside. Oh. And now, he has courtside seats, and normally he said, you know, I, I'm so used to yelling at everybody, I can't yell. And well, I'm like, yes, that is correct. He knows how broadcasts go when they're on the air. If he's done it for a number of years, you give him a new experience with the off the air. That, that's exactly right. Um, what a guy to do it year after year. I mean, this is this is my kind of dude right here. He knows it all, but he, he loves the insider view you know he has and and to be honest I mean I think it is pretty cool to especially if you are not on the inside of the operations and see what goes on from place to place with travel and everything now if you are on the inside you know it's not that glamorous but if you're not I think it is kind of cool to ride along and see and go you know be courtside for UNCG and and we rented a vehicle yeah so so we got the uh because there were other people from the apartment that was originally going to go it Mm -hmm. just didn't work out so uh, we got the the suburban where you have the you know the the three seats or whatever three levels of seats th- third row seating. The boss move he made of any boss move I've seen is after the game was over and we're all sort of depressed walking back to the vehicle. He folds down the second row, gets in the back row with the legs fully stretched out onto the second row there, just laid back. Um, hey, he paid for it. Oh, it was unbelievable. Him. Good for him. It was, unbelievable. Your worth. it was good stuff. All right, yeah, let's get back to that. But uh, yeah. My man Aaron Heaton. All right. I don't even know where to start. Clearly you do um, not. 
I, I mean, I'm still there, there's so many things in the game to talk about breakdown, and it was really tough in the first half. I've actually uh, gone back and watched a little bit this morning because I was so worried about the power outage, right. everything else. So like it was almost like every time I hit a media timeout, I was checking my stat sheet. And I'm like, man, I'm off. Hey, hey, Kevin, who did this? Or you know, hand me that stat sheet real quick, and I'd catch up on fouls and points. And so it was a little bit of a haze, especially the first part of the first half, other than I know Bo Hodges got in foul trouble, uh, picked up two quick ones, and Tisdale picked up two quick ones, and I had to put Hodges back in because those were basically the, the two players that they were going to say had to guard Alonzo in the, the third, third foul. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and what was even worse about that was Hodges got off to a great start. He had six of the first eight points mm-hmm. for ETSU and really picked up where he left off VMI, but then the foul trouble just completely took him uh, out of the game. And so it was tough situation uh, for Bo Hodges to really get in the flow. And then, honestly, the turnovers. There were six turnovers, I think, in the first five minutes. There was nine mm-hmm. turnovers in the first 12, I want to say. And it led to a lot of easy buckets. There were 10, uh, 10 points off turnovers early for UNCG. I don't think they mustered a whole lot more than that afterwards. But the, the those 10 points early kind of stretched the lead. It was an eight-point lead. And late in the first half, then ETSU really started to put together a little bit of a run. And Lucas Casson got a three-point play to, to end the half to make it a one-point deficit. And then the second half, the Bucks started to take over. And then finally we got back on air. And then uh, it, that's a little bit more – uh, where I can recall things a little better just having the call of the action uh, as it was at that point. But first half, to be down one, everything going on, I think you had to feel real good about where the Bucks were. I had to feel fantastic. I mean, in my key to the game, before we lost power and weren't on the air, I said that you have to have you know, tertiary scorers and you have to have players that perhaps aren't always – the double-digit guys get to double digits because you look at how things went with UNCG the first time. They had four double-digit scores. ETSU had two. One of those was Angelo Allegri for the Spartans, and ETSU hasn't had that Angelo Allegri-type performance for them where they've had someone just come out of nowhere and put up a big day. Maybe that's because they always seem to have someone come out of nowhere. It's either one or the other, right, because they've had eight different players, seven, eight different players, whatever it is, lead them in scoring, and so really everyone is capable of doing that, so maybe it's a bit of a different situation, but when he had Hodges start hot, I thought that was a great sign. And then he ends up only taking two shots the whole day. You know, I think he made those first two, and they got the fouls and didn't really be much of a factor the rest of the afternoon. Four turnovers as well. And you look at Patrick Good, and he's shut out, and he's had a rough little stretch here. You had him in the first half of conference season really leading the Bucks and scoring in conference play and having a few of the really big games where he was lighting it up from outside. He's been really quiet. And Jeromey Rodriguez had the day I thought he would. Uh, in bold predictions, we'll go over a little later. I said 15-plus rebounds for either him or Milad and Armas. He goes 16 and 17, though 4 of 11 from the line. And, again, Steve Forbes has talked about this all year Free throws are going to catch up with us at some point. That was really out of character for Jerome Rodriguez. Misses seven, even make two or three more. You're still under your percentage, but you make two or three more and you're in good shape. So you had Trey Boyd and Davian Williamson go double digits, you know, late, uh, really late on in the game. And you had those two, but no one really had a huge day. And the Bucks, you know, didn't necessarily shoot it as well as they usually do. Go three of 15 from outside. So low scoring, grinded out a fair where it looks like. Certainly in the first half, and I would have thought definitely for ETSU if they put up 34 in the first half, they get everybody back off the bench, couple fouls for Tisdale and Hodges back out on the floor, then you're expecting an offensive blow-up. Well, and, and it's funny because I'm looking at the, the run total right now, and so at the 10-10 mark, ETSU goes up 
five, which matches their, their largest lead of the game. Uh, UNCG comes back quickly and gets gets a bucket uh, from James Dickey, 9.52. Neither team scores again mm. uh, until a layup by Francis Alonzo at 7.02. Mm. Then the next uh, bucket is just a made free throw at 6.17, 52 all. Then you have to go all the way down to 4.27 when UNCG takes the lead on a jumper by Demetrius Troy. And then the Bucks from 10.10 to 4.10, get – a point, and it ends up being a layup from Isaiah Tisdale, his only field goal of the game, ties it at 54, and then it's just a puncher's battle back and forth. Then the Bucks uh, get a defensive stop. Lucas Cassant's a couple free throws. ETSU up two very quickly. James Dickey off a uh, Francis Alonzo miss layup. He comes in with a huge follow dunk over Jerome Rodriguez, ties it at 56. Rodriguez gets fouled with 47 seconds, misses the first, makes the second. And before you get to the very last portion of the game, just go ahead and tell me the score again at the 10-minute mark. What was it? 52-49? 52-47 at 10-10. 47. So you've got a 60-59 to final. I mean, no offense wanted last to win the game. Oh, and, and it got ragged. That's the funny thing is it was a pretty clean, well – executed game for a certain point and then all of a sudden it was like everybody I don't know if the possessions just became much great it turned into what honestly sometimes a, a tournament basketball game looks like over in Asheville because every possession felt do or die at some point and I mean people were just uh, living a breathe and and so people tighten up there was, you know there were some some things people did that a little uncharacteristic, but certainly uh, you could see where it got a little sloppy. Jerome Rodriguez, you mentioned, split the pair of free throws. ETSU was up 57 to 56. Then Isaiah Miller kind of took over in the last 34 seconds, makes one 10-foot floater, and then Davian Williamson steps to the line. This was head coach Steve Forbes about Davian. He made a uh, you know a big-time play. I didn't want to call time out there and give him a chance to get set. We kind of had him. We had some mat. They had some matchups they probably didn't want. Uh, Davian drove it to the basket. Dickey came and made it like Dickey's going to do, and, and they, they fouled him, and he, and he made his two free throws. As you mentioned, ice in the veins for Davian Williamson. Then Miller makes another little flirt. I mean, these were tough shots, and Coach Forbes talked about contested shots, well-defended, one-on-one plays, and it was good defense, better offense, I think. And then it's 60-59 to 59 with four or five seconds to go. ETSU has the ball down on the baseline opposite of their basket. They try and advance it, and here's Coach Forbes in the last play. We tried to run what we call box timeout, which we were going to throw at the half court and then call another timeout because we could then get a good shot, and we just didn't execute it. Um, I'll take the blame for that. I, you know, we got to execute that play right there. But we weren't, we weren't trying to score on that play. We were really trying to throw it to half court, uh, call timeout. There'd be like probably two-something left, and then we were going to run something from there to try to get a good shot. When you run something with three seconds to go, it's – it's a rushed, you know, long three-pointer. I thought we had a chance to get us something better. A lot of moving parts there. Frustrating for the coaches, frustrating for Coach Forbes, frustrating for the players. Just a frustrating last sequence because it felt like that UNCG was getting those big plays from Isaiah Miller and ETSU and trying to match just could not in the final buzzer. Uh, you know, and give Miller credit. Yeah. I mean, he, he started off on fire, hit a couple early shots, and then he I think he missed seven, eight in a row uh, mm-hmm. shots. But the last two are obviously the most important. One was a, was a floater, and the other one, they actually put Bo Hodges on him, uh, thinking that he would try to drive, which he did. Hodges, you know, honestly bodied him up, stayed uh, straight up and down. Miller threw a high um, arcing shot kind of off the top right corner of the backboard that went in, but it was one of those shots where you can tell – 
that's something he's practiced. That's a move he's done before. It didn't, uh, you know, when he first made it, you're like, oh, I don't know what he's doing. But then the the way he attacked it, and it came off his hands, you clearly kind of was like, oh yeah, that's a that's a, that's a shot he's comfortable with. You know, uh, a few other guys going in that angle, using the backboard that direction. I would say, ooh, maybe he got kind of lucky. But just the way that broke down, I feel like that's something that that Miller is in. It's something that's got in his game. He's able to make that play and. Then you you get uh, Coach Forbes broke it down. You know, you I thought it was interesting. Coach Miller called the timeout after it went in because the ball was actually inbound to half court to Williamson. And you said you thought that was a big moment in the game. It, 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 I think it absolutely was because it was basically UNCG was celebrating. Miller was over there in the crowd, you know, pumping him up as soon as the shot went in, and they inbounded to Williamson, and it was going to be basically Williamson versus Troy, and Williamson, you know, had a little bit of a head start on him at half court. And so it would have been a foot race. And does Troy commit a foul? Does Williamson take care of the basketball, get to the rim? I mean, there's a, a lot of different things that could have happened because I thought it was good by Bo Hodges. As soon as the ball went in, he immediately grabbed it and, and threw it in. And Miller, you know, and, and rightfully so, uh, had a timeout, called a timeout, tried to get his team regrouped. And then, you know, I speculated a little bit on the broadcast. I thought uh, I've seen Coach work on that before. Um, now, again, I, I was so far away. Normally I'm – next to the bench or close to it but I was on a second row uh back into the right of the team so I I couldn't quite you know and it was a 30 second timeout so they're on the floor so I probably wouldn't have known anyways but uh, generally I can kind of hear some of the play calls and have an idea what they were trying to do but uh Hodges underthrew it but I also think going back and looking at it I think teammates didn't give him a lot of help by trying to come back to to the ball to at least try to fight for it, and then Alonzo picks it off. Milad Armas tries to commit a foul. They don't blow the whistle, and then after that, there's no sense committing a foul with, with a half second left or Coach, whatever it was. Coach Forbes took responsibility for the lack of execution. Where do you think the blame lies there on that last play? Because everyone's talking about that over the last 12 hours of just, wow, what a poor sequence, especially in a well, tight and, big game. And, you know, and I think a lot of people, if they didn't hear the comment, probably didn't know they weren't trying to get a shot off that. Uh, you know, I think that changes – I mean, it kind of changed how some people in the stands, because they didn't get here to coach either, and they were asking me afterwards, like, well, what were we trying to do in our last play? Did you ask them? I said, yeah, they're trying to get half court all the time. I'm like, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, that makes more sense. So, like, um, and I've seen them practice that before. Uh, the thing I have is Isaiah Miller leads the league in steals, leads third in the nation in steals. Mm. They weren't guarding the inbounds pass no matter what. So if you throw it short, they're going to double-team whoever that is. And now you've got to figure out – because the, the popular thing I kept hearing was, well, wouldn't you be better just giving the ball to Davian and letting him drive up the floor? Well, ETSU didn't get it up the floor in four seconds anytime during the game. So I don't know that that's the right route to go now. Um, if they catch the ball, they're going to get an immediate timeout. They had told that. You know, if Hodges makes a better throw, if somebody comes back to the ball, if they catch it timeout, now you're talking – Something's got to come off the clock. Maybe it's a full, you know, second. So maybe there's 2.8. Now with 2.8, you know, you can inbound at half court. Then you can get it to a guy off the screen and make him make a dribble and a play, or you know, or, or maybe even try to run something where you just throw it directly down low. You know, you set a couple back screens and try to get it to Rodriguez or Gusan or somebody. You know, that's it's successful in the way Gusan had been playing. It might have been a bad idea. Plus he's seven foot. And James Dickey had fouled out of the game. Mm-hmm. So I think there might be an opportunity there. So, uh, you know, what the play would have been afterwards, not, not sure. Here's Coach Forbes on what's next. It's hard to lose that game. It's, uh, it's disappointing. Um, but, you know, 
and I told the team afterwards, either way, it's we're going to be two, three, or four, just the way it was going to be. I'd love to have been two, but that's probably not attainable now. And, and you know, we still got to play games. We probably need a little rest. Uh, we probably need a little banged up, uh, you know, so we got to work on that a little bit, um, you know, and just kind of go from there and uh, get ready to play Saturday. Then we get another week before we play again. And so uh, I think it's good for us. We probably need that. And um, this will sting for a while, and it should. And then we got to move on to Western Carolina. My umbrella view of everything that happened yesterday, and this is where I think my philosophy on the postseason and seeding works in favor of ETSU and in favor of Buck fans and renewing some of that belief that the Bucks can go into Asheville. And Coach Forbes even said it yesterday. He said, look, we can make some noise in Asheville. We just got to make sure that over these next couple weeks we get rested. We win on Saturday was a big thing for him against Western Carolina, of course, to build some momentum. But my philosophy on the postseason, you're going to have to meet them all. You know, you're going to have to face Wofford probably at some point. Yes, there is the possibility that, you know, Furman or whoever the four would have been. Right now, ETSU is the four and UNCG is the two. Furman's the three. And that's probably how it's going to stay, right? Would you agree? Because there's no more big matchups between the top four. I mean, technically, ETSU is a half game, so they're in third. But if Furman is to win. Everybody winning out. They went on Thursday, right? And they went on Saturday. And ETSU wins Saturday. Then, yes, they would lose tiebreaker there the four. Um, The only thing. I'm curious because Sanford first go around, you know, had Wofford beat, didn't beat him, and beat Furman, and th- now they get Wofford and Furman at home. So I am kind of curious to see what Sanford can do with Wofford and Furman. That being said, um, if everyone holds serve, and right. out of the top four teams, the only team out of the top four to have a loss that's not in the top four teams is Furman, which was to Sanford, sure. which makes me think Furman would like to avenge that on the road. Sure. And so I am in agreement, I believe, as a long way of saying yes, but I do believe all those teams. I think it would be interesting to see how Sanford plays both those games. The other thing is, you know, Furman plays Sanford on Thursday, so you know that result. And then Sanford play, or I'm sorry, Furman plays Chad at 2 p.m., so even before he tissue tips at 4 p.m., they should know the result and, and what's at stake there. The other thing is Wofford ends the season at Sanford. I'm kind of curious to see. Rest guys, maybe? It, is that, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think that is it, but I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, does, is Sanford going to hang their hat on? The only thing we can do right now is beat a streak. Mm. You know, and they let them off the hook the first time. Like, can Sanford kind of use that as motivation to give, which I think would be terrible for the league. For the simple reason, I'm still trying to get Wofford yes. and at large if they don't win the tournament. Absolutely. But still, um, that that th- those two games that I think are the most intriguing games: the Sanford versus both Wofford and Furman. So certainly possible that, and every game it's possible in Southern Conference, very balanced conference, maybe less so this year than other years, with the top four being what they have been. But main point is, you're going to have to beat the best teams to get to where you want to be, and relying on getting lucky with a five, six, seven, eight, nine seed beating one of the top four teams so they're out of your way or Furman pulling what would be considered an upset against Wofford in the semifinals if, again, ETSU had won yesterday and you're the two seed. Not having to see Wofford until the final, I understand, but you're probably going to have to see Wofford along the way at some point. So if you are the four seed and you have to face them in the semifinals, bring it on. It doesn't matter because you're going to have to see them to win the title. If it's one day earlier, then beat them one day earlier. You know, it, it, The regular season of the Southern Conference, comparatively to other leagues, is very unimportant. 
So yes, it's nice to go 15, 16 and 0, whatever Wofford is right now, 14 and 0, whatever the case may be. But if you don't, nothing really has been lost. Because if you're not going to beat your first round team, then let's be honest, you're probably not a championship team. If you get to the semifinals and you can't beat Wofford, well, you probably wouldn't have beaten them in the final anyway if you were the two seed. So for me, again, I try to look at things optimistically with blue and gold glasses on because that's just kind of how this gig goes. But realistically, that has always been my thought in the Southern Conference postseason. I know you are much more position yourself for the best possible matchup at each stage, and I understand that point of view, but mine is much more these losses in the regular season, take them with a grain of salt, they're a drop in the bucket, and the bucket is the Southern Conference Tournament. That's when 95% of what goes on matters compared to the 5% of the regular season. So as long as you're at your best going into the postseason, and Steve Forbes has two weeks to get his team there, he has one game against Western Carolina as a tune-up, I am not worried. No, and I, I think the best point, you made is you're going to have to beat them at some point, right? They're, they're, it's very shocking. I would be shocked, shocked, shocked if any of the top four teams are knocked out in the quarters or the or the same. Now it can happen. Uh, let's be honest. Um, stranger things have happened at conference tournaments where I think Furman was a ten seed and made it all the way to the championship game mm. and lost by four, and I think they didn't even have ten wins all year. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, stranger things have happened in conference sure. tournaments than that. But I would be shocked if the top four teams don't win their quarterfinal matchup and Sunday there's two Donnie Brooks, to be honest with you, just dog fights on Saturday or I'm sorry, I guess it would be Sunday, and then setting up what hopefully would be an entertaining seven PM ESPN championship game. Uh and if it is to be not an ETSU team and it's Wofford versus somebody, as much as uh I kind of want Wofford to lose at that point in time. I certainly don't want a 30-point win at some point in time in that uh, if it's not a situation. But ETSU kind of has to play a waiting game at this point until Saturday at 4 when we play Western Carolina, and then we'll know a lot more about the seeding, and that'll give us a whole week to build up the seeding for the conference tournament. We'll step aside for a timeout. We'll talk about Brittany Zell, the big win on Senior Day versus Sanford right after this timeout. Your word from Sanderson's sidekick. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead, enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. 
Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe Navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference Championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination, the Johnson City way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Sandos and the sidekick back with you as it is another edition of that same name show. What do you think of that? I don't know what I think of that. <laughs> I don't know what I think Mike that. Gallagher doesn't even want his name on it, mainly know. because of rejoiners like that by Jay Sandos. <laughs> That's really why he doesn't want it on there. ETSU, I have to tell you, I'm a little punch drunk from yesterday. Not yeah. going to lie to you. Yeah. That was a tough one. It was a tough one to oh. ride back and everything else, but... Uh, and then you probably housed like fifty dollars worth of sheets on the way back, right? Uh, you know, I actually kept it pretty <laughs> tame. Good work. I was only about eight dollars in now. I think that's a reasonable amount to spend at a fast food place. That's not even a fast food. I don't know what it is. Is sheets like kind of in between? Is it like Freddy's? It's, Freddy's to me. I just went to Freddy's for the first time the other day. It didn't strike me as fast well, food. Well, let me say this: Sheets is a gas station where you oh, can order okay. hot food. Oh, it is. Okay. So. I don't. It's a convenience store. I guess not a gas station. It's a convenience store. But you can get gas where you get, there. Where, yes, you get gas. So that's definitely that's its gas main station. thing. Okay. It's definitely its main thing is the the gas station. I guess they go by convenience store. But anyway, so you walk in there and there's a touchscreen. You can order whatever, and so you order it, and there's somebody in the back, and then they come yell it out when your order's up. Okay, so that's how that works. That so, sounds very fancy. So, you got to educate the uh, the up north guy here who's never been to a sheets. Yeah, it's. Uh, is there one around here? I might have to try it out. Uh, it's usually in Virginia, North yeah. Carolina. I don't think there's one in Tennessee. Terrible so states. you know, if you go back up to VMI or head to UNCG or anything like that, you'll be able to do it. But All right. uh, yeah, anyway, uh, we've talked a little bit about the men's uh, game and how that broke down. Let's uh, turn the attention to the winning women's basketball squad. Much happier day. They uh, just. Did exactly what you said, and I won't. Literally, I, I mean, you, we you, won't ruin it. We'll save it for bold predictions. But unbelievable call. I mean, yeah, thank if, you. You to nail it right on the head there. Uh, a twenty-one point win, mm-hmm. seventy. Uh, one to fifty, they honored the four seniors yeah. in grand fashion. I yeah, I'll save my gloating for the final segment, though there will be gloating. Believe that. Uh, Sanford got out to kind of a hot start. Um, ETSU was kind of scuffling offensively and. They scored the first point, did the box on a free throw by Alexis Spears, but then eight in a row for the Bulldogs, and it was 12-5. to five, And then 
just the fury of ETSU was unleashed on the Bulldogs. Perhaps they remembered kind of how things snowballed down in Birmingham, and they didn't want that to happen again because 12-5 turned into 30-15. It was a 25-3 run, and I think it was from the three-minute mark of the first quarter to the two-minute mark of the second quarter, the Bulldogs scored three points. And Coach Azell talked after with me about a variety of things. Here's the first bit of sound from the winning head coach on Saturday. I thought our kids followed the game plan extraordinarily well. Um, I thought they were really clamped in on the defensive end in the third, uh, second and third quarter. We only gave up nine and eight points uh, respectively. So uh, pleased with that effort considering what we did at their place. Um, we're disruptive on the defensive end when we decide to lock in. We rebounded the ball again really well, 12 offensive rebounds, took care of the ball much, much better, 16 assists on 20 eight made baskets, only 11 turnovers. So um, I, I completely agree, agree with you, Mike. I thought that we had a dominating mentality on the defensive end, and, and that's got to carry over for the next couple games. And basically my statement to Coach Azell was, that's your best defensive performance of the year, and it proves to be because you look at the score lines and ETSU has not allowed less than the amount they did to Sanford on Saturday, that being 50 in the 71-250 win for the Bucks. You mentioned the seniors. Sedasia Tips, Lexus Spears, Raven Dean, Brittany Snowden. Brittany Snowden had the biggest day. We'll talk about that in just one second. But really from the 30-15 to 15 score line, not much changed. You know, nine points and eight points, as coaches all mentioned, for Sanford in the second and third quarter. The Bucks built the lead as big as 26 at the end of the third. Sanford came out and was hot in the fourth, and they kind of did the same thing against Chattanooga where they came back on the mocks in their previous game, ended up losing 61-56. to But I kind of worried there for a moment because they scored 15 points in the first three minutes and 40 seconds of that quarter and then went five minutes without a point as ETSU continued to put the clamps down. So uh, Sanford, after that five-minute scoreless drought, a couple of buckets, but it was well too late as ETSU went on to a 71-50 win. Brittany Snowden, the headlining senior, I guess you'd say, of the class, at least on Saturday, 16 points. Four rebounds, three assists, two steals, and two blocks. She was spectacular. Alexis Spears didn't really have the game, Jay, that we've seen from her in the second half of the conference season. She was saddled with foul trouble early, did get a couple of baskets at the end, ended up with five points and four rebounds. Raven Dean has been kind of the consistent force, and you've seen a lot more of her play basketball than I have at ETSU, but she's really been the consistent force of the Bucks over these four years amongst these seniors, and Sadasia Tips, also a four-year player. She had two points. Dean in double figures, 10 points and eight rebounds. I think the second through third quarter was impressive, uh, the 42-17, to 17, and you mentioned kind of started in the first quarter, and from that point, lights out. But uh, Dean always struck me as a player that could be a triple triple threat as not just, uh, uh, you know, a shooter. Because she came in really as a shooter. But I thought she could, you know, all three levels, I guess they call it, you know, a three-point shot, a mid-range, and then right at the rim. Because she does have a great mid-range game. Yeah, and I thought she would be one of those players. And then she, she struggled a little bit early in her career with some injuries and some other things. And then – Honestly, the way uh, uh, Shamaria Bridges and Tiana Tarter was a one-two punch, it was hard to to get the basketball at that point in time. Last year it was hard with Tarter and Haynes Overton, right. so it's always been the not been that first or second option. And so sometimes uh, just the way that that you look at the number of shots that are divvied out at the end of the game, and it's just tough really for Dean to get more than five to six shots on a normal occasion. She had seven in this one, but for the most part, she's only averaging five six shots for a career. And right. I think it's tough to to be that type of scorer and that type of player consistently in the basis when you don't get an opportunity 
uh, to put the ball uh, or to put up that many shots. I think if you gave her 10, 12 shots, I think she could be a 15-point scorer for you. Yeah, and took her just seven to get to those 10 points on Saturday. Here's further thoughts from Coach. Those are moments that, as a coach, that you remember. I won't remember, you know, what our record is or scores, but I'll remember Brittany Snowden's smile and, and feeling her just release and relief when she hugged me and, and, and listening to Raven Dean say, Coach, thank you for everything, and Sadeja just smiling ear to ear, and Lex, you know, just being so excited to, to have an opportunity as a, as a graduate student to come in and contribute to a program that, you know, she might have needed us as much as we needed her. And uh, I think that's true of all of these kids. We need them as much as they need us, and um, it's definitely a family for us. That was in response to my question about the final moment when the seniors exited the game. Coaches all called a timeout with a couple of minutes to go to get all the seniors back out there, then a timeout 30, 40 seconds later to be able to remove the ball from the game, get the standing ovation from the crowd, um, and – right in front of me where our broadcast position right over by where the ETSU women's bench is hugs from each of the seniors to coach Zell and then an extended one with Brittany Snowden and I think that's just because we've heard it from coach Zell before Brittany Snowden's such a leader such a force on the team it doesn't have anything to do with statistics or anything like that it's the effort that she's put in it's the leadership qualities and the fact that she is such a team individual that led to, I think, that strong of a bond between Coaches Ellen and Brittany Snowden. Right, she, I mean, the infinity in which she speaks about Brittany Snowden yeah. just tells you what all she kind of means to her. And, uh, you know, Snowden's one of those lunch pilgrims, right? C- comes to work every day. You don't have to worry about what she's doing. And um, been fun to watch, uh, to be honest with you. I think fans uh, maybe haven't always appreciated everything that she's done, again, depending on situation and teams she's been on the roles have been different and this year's team with everything that happened with the injuries and some of the other things and going you know she might have been the most positive four still on the squad so uh and I think it's always an emotional moment for a coach anyway so when you get uh, a last time it's a home game get a chance to to pay homage to them and Brittany Snowden is one of those that I think will be greatly missed next year and it'll be hard to put a finger on exactly why, but I think because of all the things that Coach tells us that you really can't see, all those intangible things of what she does in practice and with the team and on the road and all this other stuff, you know, I think they need to replace that next year, and I think that's maybe sometimes the hardest thing to replace uh, as opposed to score or a rebounder. Last one from Coach. First of all, we need to rest and recover. Um, we're still a little bit beat up and banged up. We need to rest and recover. Um, going on the road has not been easy for us. Western Carolina is a difficult place to play because the environment is nowhere near as chaotic as here. It's quiet. Um, you have to create your own energy. You've got to create your own momentum. And it'll be a tough place to play considering, you know, they had such a good game over here. And then um, nor- uh, playing at Greensboro is always difficult. Our men are about to go over there and, and play a big one tomorrow and, and – it's just tough for us. They don't like us, and we don't lose any love for them either. So um, two tough road games, and then everything for us needs to be on an upward trajectory moving into Asheville. Win or lose, we need to be upward trajectory. Are we getting better? Are we moving forward? Because as, as the life of a mid-major, March is what matters, and uh, we're coming up on March very fast. We're obviously going to break down that Western Carolina game on Thursday. Unlike the men's team, there is not the full week off. It's Western Carolina Thursday, UNCG Saturday. Well, and I, I like, you know, the Bill Dash. I mean, it, 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 it's what it is. I mean, again, as we're talking about the men's side, and there's possibility of at-large and all that. On the women's side, there's not. Even if Mercer ran the table, lost the championship game, that there's no shot of that. It no. really, it truly goes back to the old saying: the the 
technically four days in Asheville for the women because they have the the day off, but three games in Asheville if you can get momentum going. I think the trajectory has been, especially second half of the season and second half of the conference season. I mean, you're looking at three losses, two in overtime, um, all by single digits, two by one possession. I mean, a bounce here or there, and, you know, again, you ifs and ands, but a bounce here or there, and that is a whole different layout for ETSU women's basketball. But if they can get the two road wins, which they've struggled to do this year, if they can get the two road wins against the two bottom teams in the league, and then you've got three three straight going into Asheville, feeling pretty good about the teams that you're going to face. And pro- I mean, I don't think there's anybody, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's anybody that any anybody is going to be scared of. Last year, you know, Mercer kind of walked in the building and people were a little bit in awe of the Mercer Bears. Definitely. They are not this year. No. no nobody is. And so e- – Even a bottom team like Western Carolina, who they, in their first matchup this year, lost by two. So there's no reason for anyone from top to bottom to be scared of Mercer. I, I, I totally agree. And I think this is, again, as you know, the men's tournament, we know there's four teams. In the women's tournament, I'm telling you, it's wide open. There, there could be six different winners uh, that could go to the tournament, could easily. Bless you. Sorry. Uh, could easily make an argument that those teams would, would win and could advance to go to the tournament. So I, I think whoever is playing the hottest going in and has momentum and can continue to put together just enough showings to pick up victories and just surviving and advancing. And then especially if you can win the first two games, you know, the women have the advantage. They each get it. Now both teams get it, but you get a day off to actually prepare for the championship game. And so it would be interesting to see if ETSU, uh, again, right now kind of slotted at 4 or 5 range, if they can win – uh, and then they may face, just like the men, a number one team. Again, I think it's a good matchup for them. I think they will do well against Mercer. They have an opportunity to maybe win that game and then set themselves up for what would be a, a very attainable conference championship game on Sunday. The last team in the league without a win away from home is ETSU, but if you need any extra boost or any more belief in the team being able to go on the road and beat Western Carolina, UNCG also had no neutral or road wins going into their game at Western Carolina, which was Saturday, 166-42, to a 24-point win. So there's certainly some belief from the ETSU Buccaneers, not only because of that, because they've been so close on the road throughout the year. Especially the last couple games. Definitely. Uh, just right there. So, All right, that'll do it for that. When we come back, uh... pros versus Jays, who needs a shower? No telling. All right, we're back after this. Santa's sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we're transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. 
Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new made-to-crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new made-to-crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a play. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? In the deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so the impossible has happened. Edmonds hit 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to Game 7 in the National League Championship Series. The is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to go into the end The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Versus Jays. I need a shower. All right, pros versus Jays. Smartest... Oh, hello. Whoa. Sorry. Whoa. Sorry, jumping the gun. Whoa. Keep I going. I it's pros versus Jays still? Or did you it change is. the segment it on is. me? It is. All right, thought I heard that. Pros versus Jays, this is something I usually have no idea what's going well, on. Well, I think there's only one way that we can go with it after the happenings of yesterday. Here is the moment, and I'll have to kind of explain a little bit because the way our system works here, the recording device – that we use for our games kind of just picks up where the previous clip left off. So uh, here's what it sounded like pregame when Jay Sandos was gleefully describing the jerseys, referee crew, uh, everything to set up a massive tilt in Greensboro. 
Bucks will head left to right across the radio dial. The three officials. We'll see if head coach Steve Forbes has talked about playing on Sunday for better officiating. 50% for the game. They were 10 of 20, 50% in the first half, and 3 of 6 in this half. So the very last word that you get out before the power outage is, we'll see if Steve Forbes, who's been asking for better officiating, and I think you were going to say we'll get that on this Sunday since it was the only Sunday game of the year. But before you could even finish the sentence, and then you hear our recording device pick up, you were you know, 15 minutes, 35 seconds in, you know, with left in the second half, and you're describing stats and all. But I don't know if it's any coincidence that you are cut off, the power's knocked out, and we're off the air for 75 minutes right when you're bashing officials. Maybe it's the officiating gods getting back at you. Your thoughts? Can you play it again? Bucks will head left to right across the radio dial. The three officials. We'll see if head coach Steve Forbes has talked about playing on Sunday for better officiating. Boom. 50% for the game. They were 10 of 20, 50% in the first half, and 3 of 6 in this half. So the best part is it sounds like I've just broken down that they, uh, they've they got half the calls right. Right. <laughs> Instead of giving a team stat, if you just if you just listen as is. it's uh, You know, the funny thing is I, I, refereeing this year, I, I don't feel like there is a game that it has really – cost ETSU there in the past I thought oof well you know maybe here there the fouls I mean clearly three free throws at Creighton and they shot 20 something you're going okay both teams going to the rim we, we had a lot of points in the paint you can't tell me somebody got fouled somewhere so I mean there's there's always some of that but you also know I also believe uh, you know Isaiah Tisdale is not kicked out of the Illinois game if that is a Big Ten game if he plays for Northwestern or Michigan State or any other Big Ten team they're not kicking them out of the game. Just like LSU, Tennessee, they had a flagrant one where a guy actually flipped a Tennessee player over exactly like Tisdale. But what do you know? It's a flagrant one he's left in the game. So I still believe that. So there's been there's always a little things here and there. There's always knickknacks that we can look at, a block chart, some other things. But for the most part, it, it's it's hard to complain about. I My only complaint was is the first 10 minutes or uh, 30 minutes or so, they kind of let – it'd be a bloodbath, which is fine because everyone kind of knew what was going on. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, we're going to call all these. <laughs> and it just, it, it made it difficult to watch at that point because everyone was so used to playing a certain way. And then they switched up how it was going. It's basically like if an umpire is calling for seven innings, a strike zone, and in the eighth and ninth, you're like, okay, you know, uh, maybe we're going to go a little higher, a little more outside than where we've been going. And everyone wasn't quite sure what to do. And so I think that helped made for ugly basketball. But overall, I, I mean, I can't complain. I thought, you know, the officiating was, you know, didn't dictate anything. And for the most part, um, you know, there, there wasn't moments where it was one of, you know, where there's we've all had games where there's the one official that just blows the whistle every single time and none of the other officials uh, call a foul or whatever. So we didn't have any of that. So I, I didn't have any issues with it, but it is uh, – it is interesting to see what Coach Forbes, after having the Sunday game, how he feels about uh, having those guys back. Well, the main point of the segment is not officiating, is the power outage. And so what usually happens when we have a drop like that, what we call it a drop, with the transmission from you to us, and obviously this time it was the transmission back here, there was just nothing to receive your internet and, and all the equipment that you got. Usually what happens is we'll come back on because your internet will have dropped out, and we'll say – Oh, sorry, folks, we're having technical difficulties with Jay Sandoz out at wherever you are, Greensboro Coliseum, and we'll take you through a Food City scoreboard or some highlights around the country or whatever in, until we can get Jay back. 
But the tough part of yesterday was with the power going out, literally everything just right when you were bashing the officials, boo, just powers down. And it flickered like two or three times and tried to come back on, and there was just nothing doing. Uh, so it was about 75 minutes of darkness. You've seen on social media the views from within the studio. Uh, obviously frustrating for you because you had gone, you know, three hours or so to call this huge game and what I think would have been probably our most listened to game of the year because of a number of different uh, factors playing into it. Let me tell you that not all broadcasts go that way. Those of you that just tuned in yesterday, usually everything's fine. We, that's the first time since I've been here that that's happened during a game. I, I've I've had some power outage issues um, at an arena, maybe at an arena, yeah. Furman, and really it was the uh, the power lines they were sending me. Uh, and I will say this: during every media timeout, they had electricians out there rerunning wires mm. to try to get it fixed as fast as they could. So. I appreciated that. The dome has cut out during a broadcast before, mm. but generally five minutes, okay. six minutes, maybe a 10, 15 minutes, somewhere down the line, and and certainly never an hour and whatever. I mean, that, that was an extremely long. Now, from what I've been told, again, I was on the road that all of campus was out, and apparently the big Kroger that's up on the hill and mm. some other things. So there was a massive issue. Uh, that had happened. I don't, and again, because of the flooding, high winds, there was some other things going on in town. Could have been a, a anything, or it could just be the referee gods looking down upon me, chastising three very good officials. I can tell you that there's one other time, not during the broadcast, that the power has gone out in the dome. That was probably four months ago, and naturally, the timing of it, I was doing a radio interview for, I think we were taping the head coach of the opposing program for the next week for football, or we were taping something for Santos and the Psychic. Of course, it had to be right in the middle of an interview, and you were up here talking to head coach Brittany Azell for her Facebook Live. And yes. so the timing of power outages, at least this year, certainly has been an issue, although it wasn't as big of an issue as it was in 1989 for Al Michaels. Candy Maldonado with the hesitation, allowing Jose Canseco to score, and he fails to get Dave Parker at second base, so the Oakland A's take... I'll tell you what, we're having an earth. Well, <laughs> I don't know if we're on the air. We are in commercial, I guess. I don't think so. So that's 1989, Game yep. 3, I believe, of the World oh, Series, Candlestick I, Park. Very, I remember that very well. Ago. Yeah. I remember that very well. Uh, and I was a huge baseball fan, so I was tuned in to watch that game when it happened. And I remember that in, they came back to the stadium and the players were kind of mingling around the field. And, and Al was still trying to get his wits about him and figure out what was going on. And yeah. then all of a sudden they cut away to some shots where – 
you know, the double-decker bridge had collapsed and some other things, like just uh, massive damage. And then eventually, Major League Baseball, as they should have, oh, we're going to cancel the game today. Right. Uh, some emergency crews need to go somewhere else or some other things pressing. And then uh, I think it was three or four days later, they, they actually got back uh, to that game and had all the first responders out on the field and some other things. To, so it was interesting. But I do remember that, and I do remember watching that. You've actually picked something – uh, that I remember vividly that it going on. I yeah. didn't. Rem- I didn't remember that. It, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that it goes to a backup phone line. So the backup right. audio is it just a traditional phone line for TV? It's it's actually quite funny because for whatever reason there are tends to be if there's issues the audio can't seem to sustain, but the video will sometimes. Hmm. And if they lose both, then they will just put up a graphic. In, uh, and from, they did it just at World Series. That's right. They put up slide. a graphic back in, uh, not on location, uh, but back uh, you know in New York or wherever the, the, the host uh, satellite is, and then they'll basically put it up there and then just feed that phone line over so they have something. So yeah. that's sort of inner workings of, of, of TV and, and know exactly how it is, but it is funny. Uh, just to hear it come back on the phone line. <laughs> what the, even in 1989. Well. <laughs> think, think about that. We have to go to the backup phone line a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> they, they did 1989, and, of course, technology's kind of helped the phone line sound a little better. But uh, I, there's not a more helpless feeling than Al Michaels trying to figure out if he's on air or not uh, to try to figure out if he's supposed to be describing this. Am I supposed to be throwing a brazen? Doing, you know, do I need to take my headset off? When the power went out in Greensboro, I sent Kevin immediately over because there was a guy – behind us that it re-ran an internet line that works for the building mm-hmm. that was trying to get somebody else internet a hard line and i thought he had accidentally uh, as he was doing that knocked mine off mm, okay so that's why when mike gallagher's trying to call my cell phone and say <laughs> hey the power's out yeah. i'm not answering because i'm trying to get all this guy i'm just thinking it's the normal hey you dropped right so i so i wasn't as uh, quick to pick up and then i thought okay i'll just dial in the old school phone line and then I'm like, okay, well, what do I dial? Right. And the people, the building's like, I don't know. Yeah. So the people are trying to call to figure out what to dial. Then by that time, I call Mike to tell him I'm trying to get to call in the phone line. And he goes, well, don't worry. Power's out at the dome. Yeah. And then that's when it dawned him. So then I had to frantically tell everybody, okay, stop running the internet lines. Yeah. That's not the issue. Can you still find me a phone line? And still, you know, day and a half later, I'm still waiting on a phone number. <laughs> or at least, I just need to know what to dial out. Right. Is, is it nine? Is it nine, nine? Is it eight? Is it seven? Is it one? Is it is it is it just go? Yeah. Is it just hit the yeah? Just right at it. So I don't know. So so clearly a backup plan for the 1989 World Series as they should be. Unfortunately, we don't have the backup generator here, which is why the first 75 minutes or so and 25 minutes of game time were not able to be car- carried on the Buccaneers Sports Network. I thought good on Al Michaels that he didn't mutter some expletives or anything. You know, I mean, you'll hear a lot of. Guys, it's very frustrating, and as you said, I believe I did courtside. If it makes you feel any better, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't blame you, and I definitely believe that. But you were not on the air with him. He was in that limbo where it's like, oh boy. You know, what's going on? And I would have just been like, F this, bleepity bleep that, because I would be so frustrated. Like, wow, here's game three of the World Series. And for ETSU men's basketball, this is kind of the World Series, at least road world series, of their regular season this year. Against UNCG, fighting for that number uh, two seed to avoid having to face Wofford going into the... They play a lot of big games, but that, that at that point, that was the biggest, right? And, and so now the next biggest right. hasn't happened yet, but you're, you're certainly the Wofford you game at home. Two. Oh, yeah. Certainly the Wofford game at home is probably the biggest, but in terms of road games... Because Wofford, we only played 17-point loss on December 1st, first game of the year. That didn't really hold it for me. The UNCG road game, sure. 
or home game, again, sure, but the road game, in terms of road games, and I don't even want to talk about the Furman game, so I'm going to discount that at all okay. completely. Anyway. I'm with you. Yep. All right, further us, Jace, uh, bold prediction coming up right after this time. Out to your Sandham's sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory-smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com. Member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bright guy, what'd you do? Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Ooh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's Big Baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. Bold predictions. That last part certainly holds true for you. What you've just said, Jay Sandos. 
Yet another weekend goes by where you are one of the most insanely idiotic bold predictors on this planet. I couldn't have been more wrong. Ten, what, uh, men's basketball, 10 10-3s. threes, 10 yeah. or more. Yeah. Well, they needed it. But yeah, they, well, they, you, you, you did they say. They only needed like two of them. You did say that they needed to. Well, yeah, technically. I don't think any of us foresaw that game going that way. Yeah, I, I would I would have. Yeah, 60-59 was not. And even, and even as we talked about, the 10-minute mark, that thing was still looking for a 70-68. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where I think the only other game that I can think of that between the top four teams, and maybe I'm forgetting one, but game that went that way. Remember the, I think it was Wofford Furman, 54-54 with like a minute 15 left. Wofford gets the last five, wins 59-54. Mm-hmm. I think that was Wofford mm-hmm. Furman, correct? Yes. Anyway, uh, 10 threes. No, 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 no. no. Three for 15, unfortunately, for ETSU men's basketball. For me, I said Mladen, Armis, or Dromi Rodriguez, 15-plus rebounds, and indeed, Jason, I am a genius. Se- what, 17 rebounds? 16.17 rebounds for Dromi Rodriguez? Another huge day for him. Mm-hmm. So, Jerome, 15-plus mm-hmm. rebounds, and Mike Gallagher, another bold prediction. Correct. I have been absolutely rain-manning everything over the last, like, 72 hours. If you look on Twitter, at Bucksports Radio, you'll find the video where I say, Trey, turn on Don't Stop Believing by Journey, just in case, with the hopes that it would bring the power back. And we're about midway through the song, and lo and behold, Power does come back on. I thought it was an absolute uh, miracle, but that's just really the predicting that I've done. It's been miracle after miracle. I am uh, absolutely 100% genius. genius. I am, I am the, smartest the smartest man, man alive. alive. And he is I the smartest, smartest man, man in the universe. In the universe, Jay Sandos. You, on the other hand, Sanford, under 50 points on women's basketball. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? I mean, you were in great shape going into the fourth quarter. 29 points is what Sanford had, and then they explode for 15 in the first three minutes and 40 seconds of that fourth quarter and then hit a couple of late threes after they went on a five-minute scoreless drought to get to exactly 50. And I did go back and listen to the audio, and you did say under 50. You didn't say 50 or under. It was under 50. Well, first of all, it was, it was coerced. It was I, coerced. I heard, I heard there was a lot, <laughs> a lot of coercion in that, and so I'm just saying that I'm not sure. I'm, I'm consulting my lawyers. We speak about the coercion mm-hmm. here and how this – how this works so um, i think that one's still under review like about six other mine that jacob forgot to get back to for about four or five months they've been under review and i have a feeling this will be the same way i had women over mercer that was earlier in the week i didn't get that but i did say the women would win against sanford by 21 or more why 21 or more because the bucks lost by 21 in birmingham so not only the 15 plus rebounds correct Women by 21 or more, the 42-point flip. It was exactly 21 in the 71-50 to 50 win, plus don't stop believing by journey. So there's two bold predictions correct, and They're once again, I am a genius. Uh, finally, and we'll get to the bad news here, I did say Furman would win by double digits over Wofford. That's where my genius stops. Wofford won 72-64 to 64 over the Paladins. You said Notre Dame, and also a very coerced, this time by time, it was really the amount of, uh, amount of seconds you had to work with as we were winding down the show Friday. You just said, basically blur it out. Uh, I think Notre Dame's going to beat Virginia Tech. You were under some pressure by the clock. Unfortunately for you, it was 67 to 59. The number 20 Hokies did defeat the Irish, who are absolutely atrocious this year. Three and 11 no, in the ACC. Bad. Yeah, really. They're bad. very bad. I watched a little bit. The one thing about having Saturday off and being able to listen to uh, the women's game and being heartbroken mm. there was I had the five TVs downstairs going and uh, nice. watching the game. So I was able to watch the slugfest. 
that was a slop fest uh, between Notre Dame and uh, Virginia Tech. But the Hokies have proved me wrong. Big Buzz got me again. I really think we need to talk about the women's game some more. The fact that it was 71 Can to 50. The, exactly the, the 21 the points. I get it right, and it's exactly 50 points, and you get it right. I mean, that is the most incredible. With one, I'm not going to lie. With one minute to go, I turned off the the stream because I listened to you through the phone app. Right. I turned it off with a minute to go. Yeah. And then when you sent me the cry face or whatever emoji. You, oh, you it was young, the laugh cry. Well, it was well, not whatever, just a straight cry. You, you young people do. <laughs> 21 plus points ends up being exactly 21 for my bowl prediction being correct. Sanford under 50 points. They get exactly 50. Oh, life is Coerced. good, Jay Sandoz. Life is good. Uh, all right, what are we doing tomorrow? Recapping, right? Head coach Steve Forbes and Brittany Zell on the coaches show tonight. So we'll Recapping, to talk yep, about that. Coaches show audio and then top 25. Angry Man in top 25. Angry Man has a brilliant fit this week. I've already chatted with him. It's going to be awesome. Well, we'll find out. That's tomorrow. Sanderson sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. See ya.